WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome into Impact 89 FM. It is Monday night, 7 p.m. It can only mean one thing. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89 FM. This is MSU Student Radio. Wherever you are, I hope your day was well, and thanks for taking time out of your evening to join us here on 88.9 FM. We go about 30 miles in each direction on the local dial. Also, impact89fm.com. World Wide Web, you can listen to a live stream of all our programming, 24-7-365. The technology here is amazing. At the Impact also, we have a podcasting feature. Uh, listen to all our past shows, uh, more, more than a year's worth of sports, and all our exposure programming, which airs weekly, um, 7 to 8 p.m. every weeknight. Uh, but enough about us and more about the world of sports. Uh, Michigan State, obviously, big win. Down go the Irish Saturday in South Bend. Um, but more importantly, a few sh- quick shout-outs. Uh, my boys Jeff Fien and the fellows at Showroom Shine Car Wash, thanks for having me on while you work. I appreciate that. Uh, people who are still working, my boss is over in Sports Info, Mr. Larson. Hope everyone is well and obviously working hard and working late. Uh, but thanks for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch, we do have an email address. Uh, that address is wdbmsports at gmail.com. wdbmsports at gmail.com. Our phone number, if you'd like to take that down as well, is 517-432-3893. We appreciate you for tuning in. Uh, quick notes before I get started, Michigan State Women's Volleyball has a family fun night uh, coming up uh, this Saturday, September 29th, outside the Jenison Fieldhouse from 530 to 6.30. Um, big, there's a bounce house, a giant slide for the kids, uh, just kind of a tailgate scene uh, before the women's volleyball game, uh, which will begin at 7 p.m. on Saturday against Wisconsin. The women's volleyball had a tough weekend. This past weekend, losing to number three, I believe it was Penn State, and number 23, Ohio State. Uh, but they return home looking to win. So uh, that's just the information there for women's volleyball if you'd like to support them. If you haven't noticed, our women's field hockey is pretty good. Uh, they're 9-1. and one. They won 6-0 over New Hampshire on Sunday over, over at Ralph Young Field Hockey Complex. Uh, they're ranked, I believe now, the new rankings haven't come out, but last week they were 6 in the nation. So our women's field hockey team is darn good, uh, and they hit the road for their next three consecutive matches. So it'll be a while if you'd like to go check them out. Also, our men's soccer team, got to show some love to them. They tied Penn State in the Big Ten opener yesterday, uh, but they have not lost yet this season. I believe they're 5-0-2 on the season, two ties, but Coach Joe Baum in his 31st year over there really has the men playing well. And that's that for for the Olympic Michigan State sports um, we know Michigan State beat Notre Dame 31-14. I want to know your thoughts. What do you think of the 4-0 Spartans, who are currently ranked 23rd in the coaches' poll? We are in the top 25. I want to know your thoughts. Do we deserve to be there? I believe so. Uh, what do you think? Our email address is wdbmsports at gmail.com. Our phone number, phone lines wide open all hour, 517-432-3893. Uh, coming up this hour, I've got some great stuff for you guys. Uh, got a chance to sit down with uh, arguably the star of the game, quarterback Brian Hoyer. Talked to Brian this this afternoon. 
A great game for him. We'll talk. We'll play that clip later this hour. Talk to Javon Ringer post game. Rushed for 144 yards, his first 100 yard plus game this season. Talk to Kellen Davis, Mister Two Way, playing defensive end and tight end. He he had two touchdowns, including the fumble ruski. I'll explain that play. Brian Hoyer fumbled on the second snap of the game. The play where he scored with Kellen Davis. I shouldn't say scored with. Passed the ball to and they scored on that play. The fumble ruski. It was a design play. Brian Hoyer explains it in our interview later this hour. Coach D'Antonio, as always, giving his perspective, this perspective that matters, uh, the coach that prepared his troops for a victory over Notre Dame, and that's what they got. Uh, he'll talk about the state of the team, look back at Notre Dame, and look ahead to Wisconsin. The Spartans travel to Camp Randall Stadium on Saturday. There's a possibility that I will be there as well. I was at Notre Dame, and I'll give you my impressions of Notre Dame, Indiana. Yes, the stadium does have somewhat of a symbolic football footballish feel you I was walked on the field I like the fact that there were no advertising there's no advertisements in the stadium uh simply uh an NCAA symbol and a NBC Sports you know Notre Dame Broadcasting Company uh that on the scoreboards but otherwise very traditional very plain you know you saw the touchdown Jesus off the off the distance in one end zone if you were up high enough uh, but definitely Notre Dame has an aura when you go, when you walk onto that field, I ne- will never play it down at Notre Dame Stadium. But there's definitely an aura in Notre Dame, Indiana. But even after a, f- a fumbleish start, the Spartans responded, and and they won 31 to 14 over the Irish. Um, they really gave one touchdown to Notre Dame. So, you know, some could say 31 14 without the gimme. Uh, but another thing about that score, MSU could have scored at least another, if not two more touchdowns. And I think Charlie Weiss knew that. Uh, here's here's the fact for you. Michigan State did not throw the ball in the fourth quarter. We did not attempt a pass in the fourth quarter. We simply ran the ball down Notre Dame's throat. And that is a testament to smart schemes by Coach Antonio and Don Treadwell, the offensive coordinator, but also um, shows the class that Michigan State has. Uh, we were up 31-14, obviously, at that point in the game. Notre Dame didn't score in the second half, if you caught that one as well. But we did not run the score up. We could have hung 50 on Notre Dame, I believe. We did not throw the ball in the fourth quarter, and Javon Ringer and J.U. Colker simply ran all over the Irish in the fourth quarter. The clock management, another observation of this game I noticed in the second half, clock management, management, pardon me, we held the ball for about 20 minutes of the second half compared to Notre Dame's roughly 10, 11 minutes. So we possessed the ball, we had long drives, we just pounded the kind of boring football as one of my coworkers pointed out. A little bit of boring football, but we held possession of the ball. We grinded it out. We won the game convincingly. I don't care if it's a, a poor Notre Dame team, a team that is going to go 0-8 to start the season, I really think. Their schedule does not get easier. They travel to Purdue next weekend. High-octane offense, Purdue. West Lafayette. Notre Dame, I don't think they're going to win that one either. I believe they, they have an outside shot of starting the season 0-8. and eight. they got USC down the road, uh, UCLA, I believe, coming up, Boston College. I'm trying to throw these off the top of my head. But if you'd like to get in touch with us, our email address is wdbmsports at gmail.com. 517-432-3893 is the phone number. Uh, obviously, I'm the only one talking tonight. My co-host decided to bail on me. 
they thought it was more important to study for tests they have at 8 a.m. in the morning than to talk Michigan State football. Uh, not only are we talking Michigan State football, coming up later in this hour, you will hear the tirade that Oklahoma State football coach Mike Gundy went on after an article published in the Oklahoman. I'll tell you what the article said, who was, who was the target of the article, and I have the audio clip of Oklahoma State coach Mike Gundy going ballistic. And I think it was justified. And I think more coaches should um, maybe follow suit. Maybe not so harshly. But at the at the end of the day, uh, journalists, sports journalists don't exist if coaches don't exist, if teams don't exist. I have a strong stance on this. I'll share that with you later this hour. But more importantly, my thoughts on Notre Dame. 31-14 victory for Michigan State. MSU arguably could have scored much more in that game if they thrown the ball in the fourth quarter. They opted not to, obviously smart, uh, but they could have poured it on, I thought. Notre Dame was beat. A strong first quarter. Michigan State is playing well to start games this season. Michigan State 42-7, to outscoring opponents in the first quarter. That touchdown that Notre Dame scored on the gimme from the nine-yard line was the first points allowed in the first quarter by Michigan State this season. But a great atmosphere down at Notre Dame, Indiana. 80,000 jammed into Notre Dame Stadium. Spartan fans well represented. The way down, we stopped at a little rest stop. And there, the Spartan fans were deep. It was good to see the green and white represented well down in Notre Dame, Indiana. And obviously the football team represented as well. 31-14 victors. Um, Coach Antonio, press conference this afternoon. I uh, got a chance to, to head there and, and record that. Here is about here's about four minutes. Coach D's look back at Notre Dame, and he looks ahead to Wisconsin this Saturday. Uh, coach D, the first Michigan State coach in history to begin his first season four zero. Here's what Coach D, Mark D'Antonio, had to say this afternoon. I guess first of all, uh, it's great to come back four zero. I think it's a uh, it was a statement game for us, as we talked about earlier, and the things we talked about. Uh, leading up to the game were really um, first road game, statement game for the program in, in terms of going, being able to go down to Notre Dame and win for a sixth straight time. Um, opportunity to do something that really um, has taken a year probably for our players to overcome a little bit. You know, there was a lot of, a lot of tough things going on in their lives, I think, for this past year, and uh, you know, it, was, it was important to them. Uh, you know, we've basically been in camp. I told our guys, hey, we've been in camp since last February, so... You know, Notre Dame might have went back to camp on Sunday, but we really been, have been in camp for almost uh, eight months, nine months, because it's, it has not been easy for our guys. And so we went there, I think, very, very emotional with an attitude that we were going to get it done, that we were going to have to weather the storm, and that it was going to be an emotional time at Notre Dame, that they were going to be prepared, and uh, their fans were going to be into it. But we also knowing um, that our fans were going to be there as well, and I thought there were a lot of Spartans there, even as we walked. As the bus rolled up, there were a lot of Michigan State people there, and uh, it was great to see. Uh, so we knew we were going to have to overcome some things early in the game, and we were able to do that. After the turnover, we went right back down. Even though they did score, we went back down and uh, and scored. Had a big third down uh, play from Hoyer to uh, to Thomas. That sort of sparked it. Went down and got the touch and uh, continued to play on. Uh, I thought offensively we were able to control the ball. The team that's, that's ran the ball most effectively, effectively in this game has usually won it, I would say, 95% of the time. So we knew that that was going to be important. Then also uh, we got some big play passes from Hoyer and uh, to Kellen and uh, a couple other players. And uh, 
So we played well enough offensively. Then defensively, I thought we played outstanding. With the exception of a couple runs, we played very, very well. Pressured the quarterback. Um, came up with only one turnover, but it was a critical turnover. St. Deke played well again. Uh, special teams played well. I thought one of the biggest things that we had to do this, uh, this game was um, eliminate their return team, their punt return team, uh, which was uh, doing a, a tremendous job. So uh, Bates did an outstanding job, uh, put the ball where really they had no opportunities for returns. He didn't touch the ball the entire day, Sibikowski, and uh, that was a very positive thing for us. Uh, kickoffs were... Um, Okay, held them down there, and then um, I guess the only thing that we really lacked a little bit uh, was, um, you know, we missed the one field goal, which was a bad angle, tough angle for him, and uh, in retrospect, probably should have taken a lay and moved it back for him so he had a better angle, but um, nevertheless, got out of there with the win. Very, very happy for our football team and our players, and now we got to move on to Wisconsin, and as we've talked, really from day one, um, the chips have gotten a little bit bigger every every week, you know. Started with uh, UAB, first game, etc. BG, a little more difficult team, I think. Had a little adversity. Pitt, Big East team coming in here. Um, go away, Notre Dame. Now we play our first Big Ten team. We're 0-0, so we can't make too much of out of our non-conference schedule knowing that regardless of what happened, we were going to have to start the Big Ten season. So um, that's where we're at. But uh, we're excited to be there. It's a... It's a um, ABC game, so that's a that's a big thing for our guys. I think just a little bit more exposure, and it ought to be exciting. I've been at, up at Wisconsin before, and that's a very exciting atmosphere. They have an outstanding football team. Uh, very impressed with Hill, their running back, and uh, the physicality of their offensive line. Their quarterback makes plays. Uh, they've got some wideouts that that do some nice things as well. That uh, you know, a couple go-to guys defensively. Uh, very good football team, and uh, very well coached. So. That I'll just open it up for quick matchups. What are the key matchups this week for you? I think the key matchup uh, this week, you know, we've really just started watching them a lot, but uh, you know, we obviously have to be able to to stop the run, or you know, you're not going to stop the run completely against Wisconsin, but you have to eliminate the big play, and they're a big play pass team, so they're going to go down the field. I think protecting the quarterback is a is a huge issue this week. Um, they've got a good good front. Uh, they play well in the back end as well, but uh, we've got to be able to move the ball and control the tempo of the game. That was head coach Mark D'Antonio commenting, first of all, on the win over Notre Dame, 31-14 down in Notre Dame, Indiana, and also looking ahead to a Wisconsin team that is ranked number nine in the nation. So a big showdown for Michigan State, who in one poll is ranked 23rd in the nation. And like I said before, that clip played. Mark D'Antonio, the first Michigan State head football coach in school history to start 4-0. and zero in his first season as a head coach. So that speaks to the testament of this head coach we've got here at Michigan State. Also, if you haven't noticed, uh, something that, that, that was brought up that I'd, uh, that I'd overlooked, there has not been a player that has left this program since the coaching change has taken place. No players have left, no players have quit, no players have transferred. So that speaks highly to this coaching staff and their retainment of players and their retainment of talent. So obviously Mark D'Antonio earning his keep here at Michigan State, doing a great job. Michigan State 4-0, and ranked 23rd in the nation in one poll. We're not going to get talking bowl games. We're not going to get talking records and predictions. But that was an impressive win in South Bend. Uh, we could have arguably put up more than 31 points easily. Javon Ringer and J.U. Kalkrick having a field day all over the Notre Dame defense. 
But first, I want to look offensively. If you want to get in touch with us, I want to know your thoughts. Is Michigan State overrated? Tell me. Let me know. I don't think so. Our number, 517-432-3893. Our email address, wdbmsports at gmail.com. Also, what's up to Maria Toko? She's a sports reporter anchor at WILX. That's Channel 10. She said she'd be listening tonight. So we'll see when I see her tomorrow at football practice if she really was listening. Hopefully. That may, that'll make it like five people. My parents and her. <laughs> but hey, get in touch with us. 517-432-3893. First, we'll kick it off with the offense. Hoyer, I believe, had a great day. Sands, the snap, and the fade pass that he threw to Devin Thomas. The fumble and the interception. But quarterbacks make mistakes. They touch the ball every possession. They make mistakes. But the thing I love about Hoyer is that is that he's the first one to bring up those mistakes. We may be in an interview, and, and he'll be the first one to say, you know what, I wish I could have had a couple balls back. I wish I could have done this differently. Uh, very crit- critical on himself, but in the same breath, uh, B- Brian knows that he, to work to improve, to, not to dwell on, on the negatives, but dwell on the positives. He threw four touchdowns, a career high for Brian, in his first start at Notre Dame. I don't care who you are. Growing up as a kid, you know what Notre Dame is. You know them solely as a football institution. Notre Dame starts 0-4 for the first time in school history, thanks to Michigan State. Heading into this game, Rob Parker of the Detroit News said it was a lose-lose situation. His post-game press conference coach, Antonio, went right after and said it's not a lose-lose. People win, people lose. Michigan State was credited with a win. Notre Dame credited with a loss. I totally agree with that. Michigan State sends Notre Dame to 0-4 for the first time in school history. And this is this is the icing on the cake. Michigan State's winning streak at Notre Dame Stadium. I'm I'm sure you've heard this one. Six straight games. Michigan State, the first school ever to win six straight at Notre Dame Stadium. Very impressive by the Spartans. In a game where we could have come out and we you know seventeen fourteen at half. This game was was very close at the half. Notre Dame did not score in the second half. Michigan State poured it on, and we could have poured on more. We blitzed the heck out of Notre Dame. And here's one for you. Michigan State leads the nation in sacks. We'll get to the defense in a minute. Brian Hoyer, more the, his, his throws had more zip, more accuracy on him. Sands the, the deep ball to Devin Thomas. But if you watch that play, you see that safety cover so much ground. Uh, that safety made a great play. I don't think that ball was, was a poorly thrown ball. I think uh, the safety made a great play in, in picking that ball off on the goal line. You know, one-on-one, Devin, Devin Thomas had his man beat. Safety came over the top and picked that ball off. So, you know, but Hoyer knows that. And I had a chance to sit down with Brian Hoyer today, this afternoon, a little, uh, a truly a Monday Monday morning quarterback, sat down with Brian. Uh, here's what Michigan State's starting quarterback had to say. This edition of the Spartan Sports Podcast, I'm joined by starting quarterback Brian Hoyer. With Brian, first of all, can you just explain the fumble ruski play that resulted in a touchdown to Kellen Davis? Uh, it's a play that we've worked on for a long time. Works every every time in practice. We always get a defense, always get Sir Darian Adams on it. It's uh, it's just something that's designed to make it look like you're fumbling the snap. Uh, you know, I go down to shake the ball around a little bit. The O-line yells out fumble. Uh, J.U.'s in protection, but he's making it look like he's trying to pick up the ball. 
and um, you know Kellen's the only option and the other two receivers just kind of do little smoke routes or whatever you want to call them and uh, they make it look like they're looking back for the ball too so it was definitely a design play it wasn't a mess up um, maybe because I fumbled that snap in the second play of the game people thought I did it again but uh, it was definitely a design play. When did you know that that play was going to work? As soon as I you know I, I faked the fumble I looked up and I just saw that everybody just creeping down and Kellen was just running right past them and I knew we had them so when I did get the signal for the play though I had to make sure that I was getting the right thing because you know it was a, a gutsy call but it was the right play call at the right time you guys went for it multiple times on, on fourth and, and short yardage is that a statement to to the guts of this program and this coaching staff yeah and i think it's a statement in the trust we have in our in our old linemen because uh they pounded all day they did a great job and uh without a doubt we knew we could get it uh first or fourth and one and, and fourth and two we knew we had a chance to get it because of our guys up front. How do you handle the emotions from that victory over Notre Dame? Do you use that to translate into emotions heading into Wisconsin? How do you deal with that? I think you have to harness it and, and keep it under control because like many people know in the past, we've come off of big big wins and, and then we flop the next week. You use it as a, a confidence builder, but you stay humble in the same process and uh, go out and know we're going to face a tough Wisconsin team in a tough, tough environment. Wisconsin, a top 10 team in the nation, arguably one of the best in the Big Ten. How do you prepare for them and, and what are your thoughts hitting the road for the second straight week well we have to handle the adversity just like we've done all year long and uh, we have to have a great week of preparation the best week we've had so far because like you said they're a great team they're uh, they're the top 10 team in the country and uh, going in there is going to be tough but uh, if we have a good week of practice and we play the way we can play we'll be able to compete tj williams your wide receiver he is a defensive back now so do you think that plays to his advantage mirroring those positions yeah he's always trying to get in at uh, defensive back even when you know, whether just throwing the ball around in in the spring or in the summer, but uh, he thinks he can play corner, and and he he obviously has a skill set to do that and go both ways. Um, he's fast, he, and he's big and tall, and and he can make plays. So it's good to see that he's willing to. Uh, you know, be on both sides and do whatever it takes to help this team win. Saturday, it seemed that everything was clicking offensively. The running game was established and going. You were, you were throwing the ball well. Was that the the great day for the offense, obviously? Yeah, I thought so. I thought it was a great way for us to bounce back from a, you know, a so-so or just an average game against Pitt. And um, it all started up front with those guys because uh, the O-line, you know, even though we had some injuries, uh, it really showed our versatility up there because we had people stepping up, uh, Mike Getvey and, and Mike Bacon. Those guys really stepped up and and, uh, did a critical job, and uh, those guys deserve, you know, as just as much credit as everybody else. That was starting quarterback Brian Hoyer got a chance to sit down with number seven this afternoon. Brian, eleven for twenty-four with four TDs on Saturday's win against Notre Dame, thirty-one fourteen. Uh, threw for a buck thirty-five. Uh, that that beginning answer, the fumble ruski. If you watched the game, you saw in, in the third quarter there uh, what appeared Brian to drop the ball and fumble. And, and, and I'll admit, I thought he fumbled the football. He sold the heck out of that fake. But that, as he just explained, was a called play. And here's what gets me. Folks, that was fourth and two. Fourth down. Michigan State having to be two for two on fourth down. Went for it twice. Fourth and two. It's not like fourth and inches where you just hand the ball to J.U. Conkrick and he plows and gets the yard. Fourth and two. Coach calls for the fumble ruski. And we thought Coach D'Antonio and offensive coordinator Don Treadwell were a little boring. Oh, no. They called for the fumble ruski on fourth and two when we're within, well within field goal range. I, lo- I love the call. As he explained, Brian said he, the ball never touched the ground. He just held the ball over the ground. Offensive line yells fumble. J.U. Co- J.U. Kulkrick bails from protection, pretends like he's looking for the ball. 
Next thing you know, linebackers and safeties are biting on the fumble. They're collapsing to the line of scrimmage. And there is tight end Kellen Davis at the 10-yard line to catch the slight floater from quarterback Brian Hoyer. Well executed and well designed. Here's the thing, though. The, the play before, if you remember, Notre Dame had too many men on the field. And so, iffy situation there. But they stuck with the call. They call, uh, they, Brian said they called it on, on the first fourth down. And then, the, and then, and then the too many men on the field or whatever. Or the time, I believe Notre Dame ended up calling a timeout because they noticed it. And then they went ahead and ran it. And obviously it worked. But boy is, I like that. That's confidence. Well executed. I love how Brian, he, he gives every interview, Brian Hoyer gives credit to his offensive line. And, and I believe credit is due because you had some guys playing on the offensive line. So, some replacement guys. You know, some guys that, that aren't regular starters. I mean, you look at Mike Bacon stepping in on the offensive line and, and executing and playing well and, and protecting Brian Hoyer. Kenny Shane went down early with an injury. Very unfortunate. Joel Nitschman doing a good job at center. Mike Getfay, his first start of the season at right guard. Jesse Miller, been steady and strong at that right tackle position all of last season and all of this season. Uh, but there's some question marks on the offensive line. As, as far as the depth chart, I'll go over the depth chart quickly. Uh, just some key points. You look at uh, T.J. Williams, we'll talk about his position change, not necessarily a change, uh, more of a position addition. Uh, T.J. Williams will play both ways, uh, receiver and cornerback. Uh, we'll get to him in a minute. Uh, Chris L. Rucker slated to start as of September 24th at at far corner. Um, Nehemiah Warwick or Travis Key at strong safety. Um, I'm looking to see if there's anything notable. Sir Darren Adams or John Mish at Sam Backer. Uh, either of those will start. Either of those fellows will start. Mike Bacon still at left guard after a strong performance. Getfay at right guard. Jesse Miller right tackle again. He's steady and consistent. Pete Clifford over at left tackle. Um, and fullback by committee. Andrew Hawken or Tevin Bridget or Jeff McPherson. Then we know the deal with running back. Javon Ringa or J.U. Conkrick. So you pick your poison there, folks. Whether you like Javon or J.U. Doesn't matter. They're going to get their yards. They're going to get their yaks. But Hoyer with a great game. Uh, Coach Antonio, he had some thoughts on quarterback Brian Hoyer. Um, got to he, Coach D mentioned this today at his press conference, specifically about his quarterback Brian Hoyer. Here's what Coach Antonio had to say about his QB. I thought Brian was um, played pretty well, very well. I think that uh, you know you can always play a little bit better, but there's a lot of decisions to be made at quarterback. But you know when you throw four touchdown passes, I think the one interception was a was a tremendous play by uh, their safety Rutan. Um, but came out of the middle of the field all the way for it. But uh, uh, he's been solid, you know. He's got the ball off. He did a great job on the trick play, and uh, he's been good, very, very good. He's sharp. And, you know, like I like about Brian is that he, he, he has confidence. He has a lot of confidence in himself, and the players have confidence in him. has a quick release, a good arm, and uh, he can get us in and out of the right place. So much a quarterback is game management, I think. He does a great job there. That was head coach Mark D'Antonio speaking about his quarterback, number seven, Brian Hoyer. You want to get in touch with us, our number is 517-432-3893, 517-432-3893. Our email address, email inbox wide open, all hour, wdbmsports at gmail.com, wdbmsports at gmail.com. Those are call letters, WDBM. This is MSU Student Radio, Spartan Sports Wrap, run every Monday night, 7 to 8 p.m. 
Don't forget, if you're looking for post-game comment, content, pardon me, uh, obviously our frequency, we're only on once a week, msuspartans.com. Um, I do podcasting for them after most most games. Yes, I received during the, one of the last interviews I played, uh, we'll be heading to Camp Randall Stadium, Wisconsin, Saturday. I'll be there with the coverage. So I'm excited. I loved the trip to Notre Dame. Great time. I'm excited uh, to hit Wisconsin and Madison. Heard it's a great college town. We'll find out. Uh, but, yeah, got the word, heading down to Wisconsin, so I'm pumped for that. Uh, but Javon Ringer runs for 144 yards on 26 carries. That's about a five-and-a-half-yard average per carry. His, that's his first 100-yard game of the year. We're we're four games in. He just broke the, the barrier, the century mark, you could say. Uh, but the running back by committee, I think, is great. Uh, you look at Javon Ringer rushing for 144. J.U. coming through with 83 on 20 carries. That's a healthy 4.2 average. You know, pick your poison with these guys. Many many look at J.U. Calker and say, oh, he's a punishing back. Uh, I did take this step. Uh, J.U. Uh, plowed uh, two defensive backs into the ground, and they left hurting with trainers. Uh, so J.U. will punish you. He is a punishing runner. But the running back by committee is great. It's pick your poison. As many people look at J.U. as a powerful punishing runner, he has edge speed. I I would I would say J.U. Conkrick is a sub 4-6, 40-yard dash guy. He's got edge speed. He can beat you to the edge. And, boy, I talked to J.U. today. I didn't get a chance to bring the interview with me, but he said, I want DBs to be scared to tackle me. And I can respect a guy that, that is that confident. And just looking at J.U. Conkrick, he looks like a linebacker. I wouldn't want to tackle him. No way. You want to get in touch with us, 517-432-3893. The email inbox, wdbmsports at gmail.com. wdbmsports at gmail.com. Michigan State currently ranked 23rd in the nation. Do they deserve that? I believe so. I think that's just about right for the Spartans. They head to number 9 Wisconsin Saturday. It's a 3.30 start. Um, quick note, Northwestern game is going to be a noon start. Uh, that We play at home against Northwestern noon. Uh, and some of you may sigh after this. It's on the Big Ten Network. So noon, Northwestern on the Big Ten Network. But Javon Ringer had a great game. Got a chance to catch up with number 23 after his first 100-yard game of the season. Uh, here's what Javon Ringer had to say post-game. In this edition of the Spartan Sports Podcast, I'm here post-game with Javon Ringer. Javon, you rushed for 144 yards today. It has to feel good to break that century mark this season. Yeah, um, a lot of that credit, I feel like, goes to God just from bringing me back from my knee injury. And uh, and definitely, like I've been saying for the longest, all our success is going to come from how good our offensive line performs. And today they, they play great. You have to be happy, although there were some injuries, some guys stepped up on that offensive line. Can you talk about them? Yeah, um, yeah it was hard to see Kenny Shane go down, but uh, I mean, but... Luckily this year, I mean, we do have a little bit of depth. depth. So, um, you know, his backup just came up and just made plays when he needed to. How satisfying is this win for you guys? Oh, man, this, this, this is great, man. This, um, we just made history today. Um, we did something that no team has ever done before. And um, this is something that we're going to enjoy, I mean, for the rest of the night, you know, on the bus ride back. Um, we'll probably still, you know, kind of feel good about it in the morning. But um, as I can speak for myself and everybody else on this team, and Sunday afternoon, this game is done. This game is behind us. We got Wisconsin next week. That was running back Javon Ringer. Just minutes after Michigan State beats Notre Dame 31-14, he's already focused on the next opponent, Wisconsin. That is what I like to see. I'm, I'm loving it. You look at Michigan State, focus. It's, it's every week. We're gonna, we, we beat Notre Dame, yeah. 
But we bury that game Sunday, and we're back to work preparing for our next opponent. This team is hungry. They are not satisfied. And that's the collective sentiment of this team. You talk from the offense, Javon Ringer. We'll get to the defensive side to St. Deek. Jonal St. Deek. You know, some call him the sack master, whatever. He's an outstanding player. How about that? He leads the Big Ten in sacks. He is second in the nation. These stats are are becoming to be significant. We're four games in. This is not like after one or two games when when the stats aren't really compiling. Jonal St. Deke is, con, is consistently performing on that defensive line. Did you see the fumble or the steal? Let's call it a steal. Jimmy Clausen drops back in the pocket. Jonal St. Deke simply comes in to sack the quarterback, but with his football sense, he reaches in and takes the football away. Does he strip? No. He takes it from Clausen's little arms to his. Steals the ball. Inside the, I believe it was inside the 20. Clawson. Yeah, he, he, he's solid. Didn't impress me much. As a, he, you know, he, he wasn't thunder and lightning the next coming. Oh no. Jimmy Clawson did, didn't show me much. I believe he, he was replaced by Evan Sharpley at some point in the second half. I believe NBC hit the close up of Clawson's face. Yeah, so much for the second coming in Jimmy Clawson. But coming up later this hour, Oklahoma State coach Mike Gundy went nuts. On, an, on a journalist at his press conference. We're, we're, we're going to discuss it. I've got the audio clip, and boy, boy, is it legendary. A coach is going nuts on a journalist. I'll tell you who and the reason why later this hour. But if you'd like to get in touch with us, please do. The number, 517-432-3893. This is the Spartan Sports Rep. We're on every Monday night, 7 to 8 p.m. And also, msuspartans.com. I post podcast. After the game, um, interviews with coordinators, head coaches, that's all available at msuspartans.com postgame. I'll be there Saturday at Camp Randall Stadium. I'm jacked. I heard Madison's a great town. Uh, more importantly, Wisconsin's a great team, and, and this is, this is going to be a big game for Michigan State, a statement game, uh, a true gauge of where this program is. Uh, Notre Dame is not a very good football team at all. That was, a, But it was a big win. It was still at Notre Dame. It was still a team that is hungry and thirsting for their first win. They do not have a win yet this year. So that is a very dangerous team. They're not a team that has packed their bags. They were down three at the half, and it sounded like they were going to win the Sugar Bowl. Their fans were amped. Michigan State came out and responded in the second half. No collapse in Notre Dame on Saturday. Michigan State responded. Shut Notre Dame out in the second half. Ran the football. Somewhat boring football, but guess what? That's how you possess the clock. That's how Michigan State had a, a 20 to 10 minute advantage in time of possession in the second half. And that and that pays dividends when you're trying to put a football game away. Those boys were juiced after the game. But Javon Ringer, 144 yards. He's just averaging just under 100 yards. I feel so bad for Javon. I want to see that 100 mark in his average. He's averaging 99.8 yards per game. So big day for Javon Ringer. He's on track. He's healthy. JU's healthy. It seems that we offensively we've got the pieces in place. Sands the offensive line. You know, we've got some issues there, but it sounds I'm hoping that Roland Martin comes around. Um no injury updates there. Uh but Kellen Davis also on the offensive line, the tight end. He also plays a little defensive end. Kellen Davis had he was a recipient of two of Brian Hoyer's four touchdown passes. He also caught the fumble ruski play. I got a chance to catch up with Kellen Davis in the locker room post game. Here's what the big fella, Kellen Davis, had to say. 
This edition of the Spartan Sports Podcast, I'm here post-game with tight end slash defensive end Kellen Davis. A career-high two touchdown catches for you today. How satisfying is this win? Um, it's extremely satisfying, especially after the last year's, you know, loss at home, you know, late in the fourth quarter, coming back here and, you know, handling the game and winning the game by a good margin. It was big for us and it's big on our morale. And it was a great win, you know, because we fought some adversity throughout the game and uh, we bounced back, especially on that penalty situation where we caught a couple penalties and uh, we were able to get, get the drive and get the into the end zone. How happy were were you to see your QB Brian Hoyer light it up for four TDs? Um, I mean that's great because uh, I was a recipient on a couple of them, so I loved it. <laughs> as as far as your defense go goes, they shut down Notre Dame when it counted. Big third down stands. You have to be happy because you are also a part of that D unit. Oh yeah, I mean really the first the first time uh, they scored was because that fumble. I mean we we got they got great field position there inside the ten yard line. I mean. You can't, you can't. All you can ask your defense to do at that point is hold them to a field goal. We weren't able to do that, but I mean, really, they only got an end zone one time on us. Other than that, I mean, we got to the quarterback pretty well today. Um, the coverage was good, and the linebackers run to the ball. So I think I think it was a great day for our defense today. That was tight end slash defensive end Kellen Davis plays both ways for the Spartan Spartans. Speaking of defense, T.J. Williams happens to be playing on that unit as well. Another player playing both ways under Coach Antonio. Jonas St. Deke playing extremely well. Number two, Jonas is number two in the nation with one and one half sacks per game. Number two in the nation. Michigan State leads the nation in sacks. 5.25. Playing extremely well. Good to see the Spartans on top of their game in, in, in a season last, last year where we, we really didn't. We, we had 16 sacks on the season. Much more. I'm trying to, I'm trying to pull the number off the top of my head, but I believe we're over 20 sacks now. On the season. And Jonas St. Deke, one of the main catalysts behind that statistic. But Michigan State leading the nation. Would you, would you ever thought to hear that Michigan State leads the nation in sacks per game? I believe we're right up there with uh, with tackles for loss as well. Because, boy, the pressure. that And I got a chance to, to coach, to talk with Coach Gill. The defensive line coach. We're gonna skip. We're gonna skip ahead a couple clips. I'm sorry. You, you know, you got to communicate with the engineer. Keep keep everyone on the same page. Uh, coach Gill, I got I got a chance because speaking of pressure, uh, th- their whole defensive scheme s- stems from pressure. Here's what Coach Gill, the defensive line coach, had to say post game after Notre Dame. In this edition of the Spartan Sports Podcast, I'm here post game with defensive line coach Ted Gill. Coach Gill, once again, the pressure is there. Your team pressuring the quarterback, sacking the quarterback. You have to be pleased once again. Yeah, we are. I mean, this is one of the goals that we had coming into this game, that one of the things we had to do is is pressure the quarterback and get him to throw the ball very quickly. And uh, our kids really rose to the occasion. I was really excited uh, the way we practice and the way we finished up today. A lot of blitzing today. Was, was that in the game plan to put pressure on the quarterback? Yes, it was. Uh, we felt that we saw some things that we thought we could get after him with, and uh, I thought our kids really responded to the things that uh, they gave us. So it was good. It was a it was a good, well team effort, and really pleased with where we played. And lastly, Coach Jonal Saint Deke comes through again. You have to be happy with him. Yeah, I tell you, the guy's phenomenal. He today he he pressured. He took the ball away from the quarterback. I mean, he did things that we we work on. So I mean, the guy is doing things we asked him to do, but. He's a, he's a very humble person. He you know he works hard and he tries to do the things we ask him to do. So, you know I, I can't be uh, more pleased in the things he's doing right now. That was Michigan State defensive line coach Ted Gill, uh, mainly commenting on the defensive line and their performance um, against Notre Dame. Jonal St. Deke, big big 
takeaway from the quarterback uh, that sparked Michigan State. Um, also, another note to the defense. We saw early in the season, Kellen Davis going both ways. T.J. Williams, surprise, surprise, he is he was playing corner on Saturday against Notre Dame. And, and T.J. Williams is currently listed as the backup cornerback behind Chris Elrucker, the true freshman. If you didn't notice that, he played all the snaps against Notre Dame. Every down, Chris Elrucker, a true freshman, holding his own. And T.J. Williams, the, the thing about T.J., He's athletic, he's big, he's about 6'2", 6'3". He may not be the thickest of DBs, but he's fast. Boy, is he fast. Coach Antonio gave his thoughts on T.J. Williams. So here's what Coach Antonio had to say about the wide receiver slash defensive back, T.J. Williams. I see T.J. as a football player and, um, you know, opening options up for him. You know, so he's he, he can be a two-dimensional player. He has that kind of athletic ability, and we needed him on on defense this past week because, you know, basically our corner situation was depleted. Uh, We had lost um, two corners and, and, um, you know, safety. So we needed to be able to have somebody, and we wanted to play him. I wanted to play him. I wanted to get him back in the flow, and I wanted him to play on defense because, uh, uh, you know, I wanted to see him play. Figured we try and get a guy that can uh, do some different things. He's got great deep ball judgment. He's big. He's quick. He can play press. He can bail. Um, he's got football sense. So it was a good thing for him. Maybe T.J. Williams has football sense because his brother, Antonio Cromartie, is number 31 on the San Diego Chargers of the National Football League. Yeah, maybe maybe a little defensive back runs in the in the Williams family's blood. Antonio Cromartie, number 31 for the Chargers, is Williams' brother. Uh, the 6-2 Florida State. Former Florida State Seminole playing DB for the Chargers. He's a he's a first round draft pick actually of San Diego. So maybe that maybe the defense runs in the blood over there in TJ's family. So maybe maybe it's not a bad thing. And, I, and the thing about TJ Williams, it, it doesn't matter which side of the ball you're going to put TJ Williams on. Uh, the, the the young man's going to make plays. No, he's it's, he's been relatively quiet. Yes, at the beginning of the season. But the more T.J. Williams gets on the field, the more you're going to see his speed and his ability to make big plays. And nobody wants to make bigger plays than T.J. Williams because he's a confident player. So be aware of T.J. Williams on the defensive end. He's not going to stop playing offense. He's not just going to be confined to Narduzzi in the defense. T.J. Williams will play both ways, and we'll see. And hopefully uh, he, you know, he can back me up and, and be a playmaker because I think he will be. I think he'll be fine if he plays defense. He played, he played defense in high school, and he was very good at it. And so, you know, TJ is only a true sophomore, so he's only a few years removed from high school. And so, obviously, he's still got the skills. He, you know, he can, like Co- Coach explained it. You heard it. He, he, can, he can take care of business at the corner position. And with a depleted uh, secondary, and you're not depleted, not a, a negative connotation that, you know, we didn't have capable athletes in there. But, you know, we, Nehemiah Wark was out until the second half. Ross Weaver was out. Kendall Davis-Clark didn't come back until the second half. And he had a big sack on the quarterback in the second half of that game against Notre Dame, which Michigan State happened to win 31-14. So with some key components missing in the secondary, uh, Michigan State did the job. And some props have to go out to Chris L. Rucker. The true freshman playing every down against Notre Dame. And if you didn't notice, uh, David Grimes, wide receiver for Notre Dame, happens to be brothers with Carl Grimes, the Michigan State wide receiver. There, There's the f- familial connection there. But obviously, T.J. Williams on defense, uh, Kellen Davis going both ways. 
Uh, it's a great thing. Why not utilize their speed, their athleticism? We see Kellen Davis in on uh, third, you know, third down, long yardage situations where you know uh, the opposing team's going to be putting the ball in the air. He's fast. He's got an NFL body, and and I, and I think it's great. But Saint Deke also on that defensive line. Jonal Saint Deke, second in the nation with one and a half sacks per game, happens to lead the Big Ten by himself. He was tied for the lead last week. He's it's sole possession of Saint Deke. I got a chance to talk with Saint Deke post game. He he just so amped. He, he gets me amped just talking to him. Jonal Saint Deke post game. In this edition of the Spartan Sports Podcast, I'm here post game with Jonal Saint Deke. Jonal, another big game for you. Were you thriving out there with with, with the environment? Oh, this is what you play for. This is what you've been dreaming about all your life since you was a child. You know, we all went out there as a team. Coach D did a great job. The defensive coordinator, or the my defensive line coach, the offense did a great job, and we just went out there and had fun. And we just played, you know, just played football. And that sack you had on Clawson, you basically took the ball right out of his hands. Is that the type of player you are hungry right after the football? Yeah, like I said, you know, uh, it's a great feeling. Uh, I seen them. Uh, I came close to him, and he was thumbing with the ball a little bit. So I tried to make a big play. You know, I know I had the sack, but I tried to make a bigger play. So he was going down, just seen the ball there, and I just stripped him. I tried to stay up and just try to stay up and score a touchdown, but I, I ended up going down. But, you know, I tried to give the ball back to Javon. Javon Ringer, uh, J.U. and the rest of the guys, Hoyer, Devin Thompson, they, they're gonna get, they're gonna get, they're gonna get some points on the board if you give them um, some opportunities. You've been been around here a while, Janelle. You know the the rivalry with Notre Dame. How satisfying is it to get a win down here at Notre Dame? Oh, it's great. You know, actually, this is my first time playing against Notre Dame. You know, my first two years up here, I didn't get, a, I didn't get a, a snap at all. You know, so this was my statement game. Saying, you know what, this is my first time actually playing against Notre Dame, getting in, getting in there, starting, and getting an opportunity to show what I have for my family and God. And like I said, man, we just had a blessed day. The coaches did, the coaches did a great job. Uh, everybody was hungry. We all know what we had to do. We came in with a mindset, and we got the job done. Last week you said you buried the pit tape on Sunday. Same thing for Notre Dame tape. Same here. You know, we gonna we gonna we, we enjoyed it. We, it's a great it's a great win for the coaches, for my teammates, for the staff, the whole the whole staff. So it's a great win. Uh, we gonna go. You know, we gonna have a good time tonight. And uh, tomorrow we are gonna watch the film and we are gonna bury it and get ready for Wisconsin. That was defensive end Jonal Saint Deke. After the win over Notre Dame, obviously he had a, a steal. I'm not even going to call it a, a forced fumble and a recovery. He had a steal against Jimmy Clausen. <laughs> if you watch the replay, simply uh, just took the ball away from the quarterback when he put it to his chest and just, just said, it's mine. Give me the rock. Give me the rock, said St. Deke. He's just just an amped-up player. Interviewing him is great. He's just amped. Um, don't worry, Jonal. I believe the nation knows who you are. You happen to rank second in the nation in sacks, first in the Big Ten. Very versatile pass rusher. And, and it all stems from the schemes of this of this coaching staff. Well, they apply pressure uh, from from any position, the linebackers to the corners to the safeties. You don't know where the blitz is coming, and that's going to produce sacks, and that's going to produce quarterbacks to make mistakes, to force things under pressure. And, and I think that's a great foundation of a scheme. Pressure, something we didn't have last year, and we've seen the, the benefits of having a a, a a scheme that is founded in pressure. And so St. Deke playing extremely well, but Michigan State plays a team that plays extremely well next week. Wisconsin, ranked ninth in the nation. They are very, very talented. Uh, very similar statistically to Michigan State. Uh, Scoring-wise, putting up about 31 points a game. Uh, giving up about 20 points a game. Uh, total offense, we're looking uh, 310. Uh, they run the ball. Um, they have a tremendous running back. Sophomore sensation. I wonder how many times people abuse that. Those two words, sophomore sensation. How about he's good? P.J. Hill. Uh, he's averaging over 100 yards a game. Seven TDs on the season. 
He's already got 512 yards on the season. Tyler Donovan, their QB, he's got 761 yards on the season, seven TDs, just one pick. So Wisconsin is very good. They're very big up front. Their offensive line, they can run the ball, they can open up things. But here, here's the deal. You look at Michigan State's schedule, and, and people want to you know, chalk up L's and chalk up W's, you know, which games are you going to win, which games are you going to lose. You look at this coaching staff, they, they've said it repetitively that they prepare their players to win. And with the way the conference has unfolded, the way Michigan is terrible, yes, they, they have, they're, they're somewhat back on track. They, they, I cannot wait to the November showdown with the University of Michigan here in East Lansing. I hope this campus is electric for that game because we can beat Michigan. It's not a stretch. We saw what happened in the first two games, Michigan losing, starting 0-2. They're now up to 2-2 after beating Penn State, a good Penn State team. But Penn State offense could not do a thing. But the conference, the Big Ten conference, down this year, very down. You know, usually a strong conference. Yeah, they're th- maybe fourth, fifth in the in the conference pecking order. You look at the SEC, Pac-10, you know, Big East even. You know, Big Ten, down year. But you look down, you look at Michigan State's schedule. Um, all I believe all conference games remaining. We travel to Wisconsin. Next week, or pardon me, this week, Saturday, 3.30 on ABC. Oh, that's great for exposure to the program. A program that's 4-0 and ranked 23rd in the nation. Uh, we travel to Wisconsin, then we return home for a, a Northwestern. Uh, that's going to be a noon game on the Big Ten Network. And then Indiana, homecoming, 7 p.m. Under the mobile lights. They bring them in. Mobile lights. They're bringing in the lights to Spartan Stadium. For homecoming, it's going to be a 7 p.m. kick against the Hoosiers of Indiana, who happened to lose to Zook the Crooks fighting Illini <laughs> this past weekend. So Indiana has a loss under their belts. But that, but big, all Big Ten, Big Ten games left, and there's not a team that I don't think Michigan State can't beat when we're healthy and we're playing the way we are capable of playing. I'm not saying Michigan State's going to run the table and go to the national championship game. I'm not going to sit here and predict which games we're going to win or lose. That's for the journalists, the other the other journalists, pardon me, to do. I consider myself a journalist. The other journalists can do that. But here's the deal. Michigan State has the capability to beat every team left on their schedule. If you don't agree with me, call me. We have a phone number, 517-432-3893. The email inbox also wide open, wdbmsports at gmail.com. I'm not going to say they are. I'm not going to say they aren't. But you look at the Big Ten, obviously Ohio State stands out in my mind. They just had a convincing win this past weekend over Northwestern. But at the end of the day, that was Northwestern. The Big Ten is down, and Michigan State has the talent and the coaching to beat anyone who's left on their schedule. All Big Ten games left on the schedule for Michigan State. Yes, we have a grueling last five. That includes like Michigan, Iowa, uh, Purdue, Penn State at the crib. That'd be at home, throw a little Ebonics out there for you, educate you, the crib. But Michigan State can do it. And and I think this team is going to overachieve greatly. I'm not going to predict wins. I'm not going to predict which which bowl we're going to or if we're going to bowl or if we're not. You know, I, journalists get caught up. And, and we're going to talk about journalism in, in sports in a minute here when we, when we get to this Oklahoma State coach Mike Gundy and, and journalist Jenny Carlson. In their, in their dispute, in the, the tirade that this coach went on at an, at an official press conference, just went nuts. You'll, um, if you haven't heard it yet, you're going to be very shocked. 
but he makes some great points. Just the 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 statements journalists make, the articles journalists make, and in most cases, when they're columnists and writers, they haven't played a down of college football, a down of college, uh, a play of college basketball. The journalists go out there, you know, with a, a journalism degree, a master's, or whatever. They can they can write well, obviously, if they got, you know, grammatically they can write well. Their opinions and their their views may not be educated, but well, you know, we don't we don't call out names or anything. We don't do that. But you know, they are, you know, obviously they are not in the they're not in the professional leagues. They're simply bystanders. They don't see what goes on in practice every day. They don't know what's going on in athletes' life. They don't know what they go through going to class, going to practice, pressures from home, outside. You know, journalists cross the line so often, and that's just going to lead us. You know, we got a big showdown with Wisconsin, three thirty ABC. I think I previewed it. PJ Hill's going to run. It's going to be a battle. It is going to be a battle. It's going to be an environment at Camp Randall, a solid top top ten team. They're huge up front. Uh, last meeting, it's been a couple. It's been a few years since we played Wisconsin. Uh, we beat Wisconsin uh, in two thousand four. In East Lansing, my, my freshman year, if I want to age myself there, my freshman year, the last meeting in East Lansing, in November 13th, Jason Teague and J.U. Coker combined to rush for 258 as Michigan State won 49-14 over number 4 Wisconsin in Spartan Stadium. J.U. Coker, 146 yards on 13 carries. So let's hope that Michigan State can have a dual threat at, at running back again when we travel to Camp Randall Stadium. And that's Saturday, 3.30 p.m., but more importantly, I want to get to uh, the last seven minutes of the show here. Wow, it's creeped up quickly. Uh, the news, the Oklahoman in Oklahoma, uh, the newspaper there, uh, jur- journalist Jenny, quote unquote journalist Jenny Carlson. Uh, the the best thing you could do, I'm not gonna, you can't, I can't tell you to do things. Uh, but the Oklahoman website, the title is Reed is still the most talented signal caller, uh, referring to Bobby Reed, the uh, former starting quarterback at Oklahoma State. But attitude is reason for change. Uh, you know, she's backing up, you know, this guy. If you can read the article while we discuss, it's the best thing to do. Uh, but here, here's, some of the, here's some of the highlights. Um, his mother, his, she says after one of the recent game, uh, so not this past weekend but the week before, uh, Bobby Reed, the former, he started week one and was yanked for Oklahoma State. Um, his mother was feeding him chicken. By the team bus. I don't know if she had the bone in her hand or she was holding the plate or what. You know, he was laying on the ground. She was tearing pieces off and dropping them or she's doing the open your, open the garage. The car is coming in. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how she, how she was doing this. You know, the, here comes the airplane. I don't know. I don't know how, how she was feeding him. I wasn't there. Uh, but she challenges the, 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 uh, the manhood. Basically, she challenges the manhood of this, of Bobby Reed. The, the backup quarterback saying, does he want to be coddled, babied, and perhaps even fed chicken? Uh, we look at why, you know, coaches pulled, uh, pulled the quarterback, Bobby Reed, after his first game, uh, opening game loss, and went with quarterback Zach Robinson. Uh, Robinson has been playing, playing very well for Oklahoma State, I'd say. Uh, he also had a loss at Troy, uh, just in week three, and that, so that was an upset, but the coaches stuck with, with quarterback Zach Robinson, but this before that game, the, the journalist went after Bobby Reed, calling him a baby. Oh, your mama feeds you chicken after the games. Oh, yeah, you know, just basically kicking the guy while he's down. And so the coach, Oklahoma State coach Mike Gundy goes nuts. Here's what he said at the press conference directed towards this journalist Jenny Carlson, who writes for the Oklahoman. 
If anybody hasn't read this article, I don't read it. This was brought to me by a mother of children. I think this is worth reading. Let me tell you why I'm talking about this article. Three-fourths of this is inaccurate. It's fiction. And this article embarrasses me to be involved with athletics tremendously. And that article had to have been written by a person that doesn't have a child and has never had a child that's had their heart broken and come home upset and had to deal with the child when he is upset and kick a person when he's down. Here's all that kid did. He goes to class. He's respectful to the media. He's respectful to the public. And he's a good kid. And he's not a professional athlete. And he doesn't deserve to be kicked when he's down. If you have a child someday, you'll understand how it feels. But you obviously don't have a child. I do. If your child goes down the street and somebody makes fun of him because he dropped a pass in a pickup game or says he's fat and he comes home crying to his mom, you'd understand. But you haven't had that. But someday you will. And when your child comes home, you'll understand. If you want to go after an athlete, one of my athletes, you go after one that doesn't do the right things. You don't downgrade him because he does everything right and may not play as well on Saturday. And you let us make that decision. That's why I don't read the newspaper. Because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. Attacking an amateur athlete for doing everything right. And then you want to write articles about guys that don't do things right and downgrade them, the ones that do make plays. Are you kidding me? Where are we at in society today? Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not a, I'm not a kid. Write something about me or our coaches. Don't write about a kid that does everything right, that's heart's broken, and then say that the coaches said he was scared. That ain't true. And then to say that we made that decision because Donovan Woods, because he threatened to transfer, that's not true. So get your facts straight. And I hope someday you have a child and somebody be downgrades them and belittles them and you have to look them in the eye and say, you know what, it's okay. They're supposed to be mature adults, but they're really not. Who's the kid here? Who's the kid here? Are you kidding me? That's all I got to say. It makes me want to puke. Woo! Oklahoma State coach Mike Gundy going after columnist Jenny Carlson of the Oklahoman after she rips his backup quarterback who used to be the starting quarterback uh, the whole article is at the Oklahoman website obviously you can check it out here's the statement that the Football Writers Association of America said in regards to that tirade you just heard quote I consider coach Gundy's behavior completely inappropriate it shows a lack of respect for the media and doesn't speak well for the university and the fans that he represents we'll stop there First of all, it shows a lack of respect to the media. Guess what? There are many people in the media that don't deserve respect. You know, you might say it's me, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep it real and speak the truth. But there are members of this media that aren't very good at what they do, and at times they don't deserve respect because they go after 
players while they're down. Forgetting that they're actually people, they have feelings too. There's certain media members that don't deserve respect. And I wish I could see this out of coaches more. To really see how coaches feel about these journalists that sit there and question them and question play calling. There's a reason why Mark D'Antonio is the head football coach at Michigan State. Uh, By the way, you're listening to WDBM East Lansing, student radio. There's a reason why Mark D'Antonio is head coach here. He's good at what he does. He wouldn't get here and make over a million dollars a year if he wasn't good at what he does. There's a reason journalists are journalists. And they're not in the NFL. They're not in the NBA. They're not playing professional sports because they're not talented enough. Not talented enough to be a coach either. Not even on the assistant level. At the, at the collegiate level. So I, w- I would like to see this more. To see what coaches really have to say about what journalists write. Because they do read it. Don't think coaches don't. And they know. That's all i got to say today. You want to tune in Spartan Sports Rep every Monday, 7 to 8 p.m. I'm out. i got an IM football game to go play. So let's do it big. We're back next Monday, 7 p.m. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.